Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Teleseminar. My name is Kat and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years. And each month on these calls, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our seminars as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. Tonight, we will be talking about confidence and self-esteem. First, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening, Renee Cermak. Renee attended the PSI classes in 1998 and has been working with PSI seminars for over 16 years. She is currently the area director in Phoenix and is a very successful coach, speaker, facilitator, and entrepreneur. Renee lives in Phoenix with her husband and three-year-old daughter. She supports people in transforming their lives by being bigger than their limiting beliefs and increasing their self-esteem. Renee, are you with us? I am here, Kat. Thank you so much for having me as part of the uh, teleseminars, and especially to talk about my favorite subject, uh, self-esteem. So I like to talk about self-esteem and what I call the small stuff, and I'll get into the small stuff in a minute. So where uh, kind of my passion with self-esteem started is I was out to dinner with some uh, past PLD coaches, and they asked me, Renee, with all of the personal growth that you you have seen people do in the last 16 years, do you really think that people change? And I immediate, my immediate response was, I don't know if people change, but what I do know is that their self-esteem changes. And when their self-esteem changes, everything else changes. Everything about what they do, the people they associate with, the foods they eat, the amount of money they make, the risks they take, what they do on Friday nights, all of that changes. And I was, you know, as I listened to myself, I was really intrigued and excited about my answer because I had never heard that come out of my mouth before. So I really started looking at self-esteem. So let's start with the definitions. So a couple definitions, a feeling of pride in yourself, a confidence and satisfaction in oneself, self-worth, self-regard, self-respect, self-love. It is your self-estimate. The common word here is self, how you feel about you. Notice that the definition didn't talk about your spouse, your kids, your parents, the neighbors. It's your self-estimate, how you feel about you. In my opinion, how you feel about you is the most important thing in the world. And one of my favorite quotes from Dr. John Martini: I would rather have the whole world against me than me against me. So I want, one of the things I want to enroll you into today is that your vote is the only one that matters. How you feel about you is the only thing that matters because we bring our self-esteem into everything we do, every place we go. We bring our self-esteem to every relationship now and in the future. We bring our self-esteem to every job or career or money-making opportunity, to every exercise class, every vacation. One thing is guaranteed, you cannot detach from your self-esteem. It's the number one driver. It's the number one reason for all of your results. 
Your current physical body is a direct result of your self-esteem. Your current financial position is a direct result of your self-esteem. Your current relationships and the depth of those relationships are a direct result of your self-esteem. If there is one place, one brilliant place to invest your time and money, it's in your self-esteem. I recommend making your self-esteem the number one priority because it's you and your self-esteem for the rest of your life. And would you agree that you're going to judge you for the rest of your life? And we judge ourselves pretty harshly. I mean, we don't do it nicey-nicey. I mean, think about it this way. Would you ever let anyone talk to you the way that you talk to yourself? And so if it's true that we're going to judge ourselves for the rest of our lives, what if you gave yourself someone to like? What if you gave yourself someone to be proud of? What if you were your biggest fan? Like, what if you actively did things in your life in order to give yourself somebody to judge positively? Because all of that is possible through your self-esteem. And the great news is, is that you have full control of your self-esteem. It is in your hands, and it's in your hands on a daily basis. Because there are things that you do to increase your self-esteem. Absolutely. Every day there's things that you do to increase your self-esteem and there are things that you do to decrease your self-esteem. There are things that you do daily that chip and chip and chip and chip away at your self-esteem. So if you can identify those things, if you can identify the things that you do to increase your self-esteem, you can identify the things that you do to decrease your self-esteem, you can set up a a strategic plan in order to increase your self-esteem. So I want to talk about what I call the self-esteem meter. So I want you to imagine a thermometer that goes from zero to 100. Okay, and imagine that this is now the self-esteem meter. So I believe that we all have a self-esteem spectrum that goes from zero to 100. Now, the life we live with the self-esteem in the 30s is very different than the life we live with the self-esteem in the 90s. So let me use myself as an example. So when I started personal growth, when I took the basic seminar, I was 27 years old. That was about 17 years ago. I would estimate that my self-esteem was in the low 30s. And my results at that time absolutely reflected a self-esteem in the 30s. So I was making about $30,000 a year. I was a cocktail waitress. I was uh, involved in unhealthy relationships with men, meaning just not men holding me in a reputation to live up to. I was I was going out and partying a lot, pretty poor diet, smoking cigarettes, superficial relationships with friends. I certainly wasn't contributing to society in the form of volunteer work or tithing money. I was pretty disconnected from my family. And so when I think about what was I doing at 27 years old, what was I doing on Friday nights? I was usually working till about 11 and then going out and partying till about two. Okay, not not in my opinion, not the results of an extraordinary life. So then I took the basic seminar and every other course that PSI seminars offers, and I took them, all of them, I took them uh, pretty fast. You know, I was up at size seven, the life success course, five days after I took the basic. And I was playing the 90-day game of PLD um, about two months after I took the basic seminar. So I recognized that I wanted to do some pretty extraordinary things in this lifetime and that if I wanted to get those done, that I had to go do these seminars and really look at my thinking and how my thinking was producing all of the results. Okay, so here I am 17 years later, 
And I've spent the last 17 years investing in myself and investing and increasing my self-esteem without even knowing that that's what I was doing. So I like to think, so today I like to think that I'm in the high 80s or the low 90s and the current results in my in my life reflect that number. And so I have an abundance of money that comes in actively and passively. I have a great marriage. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary. Um, I have lots of friends and depth in those relationships. I have an amazing three-year-old daughter. Uh, in my career of facilitating seminars and working for site seminars and getting up in public speaking, I now actively look for opportunities to make a difference with the community, doing volunteer work and tithing money. And when I look at Friday nights now, you know, sometimes I'm facilitating a PLD weekend. Sometimes I am in the basic seminar, uh, re-auditing. However, I look at, I get to be involved in people and transformation and I get to be involved in my own growth. So my Friday nights now are very different than they were 17 years ago. So looking at the self-esteem meter, it is my opinion that it takes a certain amount of self-esteem to make $100,000. It takes a certain amount of self-esteem to do public speaking. It takes a certain amount of self-esteem to be willing to tithe money and to uh, do volunteer work and to give back. Because people in the low, in the low, let, let's call it the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know, they're looking at how to get their needs met, not necessarily looking at how do I make a difference in the world. So in my people in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, they're not making $100,000 a year. They're not out there public speaking. They're not out there tithing money. So where you are on the self-esteem meter uh, directly affects what you're willing, how you are what you're willing to go out and do, what you're willing to go out and be, and definitely the results that you produce. So let's look at what else increases as your self-esteem increases. So your income, everything to do with money, the amount of money you make, the amount of money you save, the amount of money you invest, the amount of money that you have for retirement, because as your self-esteem increases, your future self matters a lot more. With lower self-esteem, people tend to live for today. As your self-esteem increases, you ask for and you get paid for what you're worth. You take more risks. You take more classes, seminars, workshops. You tend to focus on how you will versus why you can't. You take better care of your body. You improve your diet. There's exercise. Again, you're, you're thinking about your future self versus what feels good today. As your self-esteem increases, you do more leading than following. You're able to see abundance and give more. You're able to bring more of yourself to the party. And what able to bring more of yourself to the party, whatever amount, you know, if you're only willing to bring 72% of yourself to the party, you're only going to be getting 72% back of what's available from the party. So that's also directly related to your self-esteem. As your self-esteem goes up, you're willing to bring more of yourself to all areas of your life. As your self-esteem increases, you're willing to ask more questions and state your opinion and knowing that your opinion matters. You're willing to promote yourself and your business. You're willing to give of your time, your money through volunteering, through tithing. And people with higher self-esteem, they're more open, they're more honest, they're more authentic, they're more passionate, they're more courageous, they're more solution-oriented, and, 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 and. So many great reasons to focus in on increasing your self-esteem and making it a priority. So I hope, 
you're starting to see the importance of your self-esteem and the value of increasing it. So now let's look at how we get our self-esteem. I used to think that our self-esteem came from the really big moments, like being in a school play, receiving an award, maybe graduating from college, you know, those moments that are few and far between. However, as I, as I studied self-esteem, I realized that we don't get our self-esteem from the big moments. We get it from the small moments, the everyday moments. I once heard a speaker say that 10% of life is the really great, exciting, unbelievable moments, and another 10% is the horrible, tragic moments, and the 80% left is everyday life. And so at least 80% of our self-esteem comes from the small stuff, comes from the daily, the weekly, the possibly the monthly stuff. You know, another one of my favorite quotes, until the really great stuff comes along, do the not-so-great stuff. The not-so-great stuff always leads to the great stuff, whereas doing nothing pretty much leads to nowhere. And so 80% of our life, you know, might be the not-so-great stuff, you know, where the, the, the daily grind, the every day. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about the small stuff. I'm talking about making your bed, flossing your teeth, paying bills on time, your daily interactions with your spouse, with your kids, your daily interactions with everybody is the small stuff. I'm talking about the daily agreements you make with yourself regarding exercise, diet, finances, the daily agreements that you make with other people. The majority of our self-esteem is made up by these tiny, small things that we do or don't do on a daily basis. The things we say or don't say on a daily basis, the behaviors that we exhibit daily, how we align or don't align with our values every day, the actions or inactions that we take towards our goals, the agreements that we make or break. I mean, it's the little things that a lot of people in this world say don't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay that I was five minutes late. Nothing happened. Everybody does it. The little things that we tend to justify, yet the little things that, in fact, are lowering our self-esteem and possibly some of the big reasons why we're not going after and getting our dreams. So our current self-esteem has been made moment by moment by moment for the last 10, 20, 30 years, however old you are, your self-esteem has been created moment by moment for that long. Like millions of grain, grains of sand, each one appears to be insignificant. Yet when you put it all together, it's able to create a masterpiece, you know, of a, of a extraordinary sandcastle. Yet all of those pieces of sand, grains of sand, can also form just one big, boring, average mound of sand. So it, it, all of us have all these opportunities, yet it's up to us of what we bring to the opportunities. I also once heard a speaker say, everything speaks. I love that line, meaning that everything that we do or don't do is either adding, contributing to our self-esteem or taking away from our self-esteem. Rarely is something neutral. Rarely is something not adding or taking away from it. So all the little stuff matters. And so let's look at today. There are things you're going to do to increase your self-esteem today, and there are things you're going to do to chip away at your self-esteem today. At the end of the day, you're going to have a net balance. Tomorrow, you're going to have a net balance. At the end of the week, you're going to have a net. At the end of the month, a net. End of the year, another one. End of the end of 10 years. And so welcome to how did my self-esteem arrive at this 
at this location, it's through every day, adding up the small stuff adds up to produce a pretty significant result. Now, some things about the small stuff, it's subtle. It doesn't produce a result the first time or the second time or the third or the 15th or the 51st. It takes over and over and over and over again for these things to add up to a huge result which is why it's so easy to discount them one at a time, not seeing how they add up to something significant. And so collectively, the small things over and over and over again can produce things like somebody being overweight. You know, we don't, you don't have a, a body that's overweight through one action or 10 actions or 100 actions or even 1,000. I mean, we're talking 10,000. We're talking 1 million opportunities that you chose, because this is all through choice, you know, a body that is physically fit, you know, didn't happen overnight. It was through many choices, day after day after day. Somebody who's in financial debt, you know, that happened over financial decision after decision, choice after choice after choice, and now that person is in debt. It wasn't through one transaction. And somebody that's created great wealth, you know, it was... Every day they were doing small actions, but at the end of the at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, ended up you know producing significant wealth. And so the same ten thousand opportunities can same you know you have ten thousand opportunities that can produce a really great marriage, or that can produce a divorce. Ten thousand opportunities can produce a body that's physically fit, or one that is overweight. And so what are we really talking about with all this small stuff? And really what's behind it is called habits. So you and I are just a huge collection of habits. And we've spent the, most of our lives, cop, our lives copying other people's habits. The majority of what we do, how we do it, how we experience it are just habits. And most of these habits are unconscious. So when we were born, we were clean slates with infinite potential. And then we started growing up. We started having experiences. We looked at the examples around us. We were told things. We were taught things. And through all of that, we developed beliefs about ourselves. We developed a belief system, an operating system. We, we chose into beliefs about other people, about relationships, about trust, about money, about the world. And then we set up this, this we buy into all of these beliefs, and then we spend the rest of our life being right about these beliefs, yet none of us are even right. I mean, we, we, decide, we made decisions on how to operate, how to show up, how to get what we want. And as we grew up, we also adopted other people's views unconsciously, other people's beliefs. And all of these decisions and beliefs, sometimes called limiting and non-limiting beliefs, show up in the form of actions and behaviors called habits. If you want to see some of your beliefs, look at some of the habits that you have. So wouldn't it be valuable to explore the habits that are creating your results, especially the unconscious ones? So that's, the, that's one of the big values of personal growth is that you get to go look at what, what are your habits and what is the thinking that's behind creating your habits. And then in that awareness, you have the opportunity to do something different. So our habits are just a way that we learned how to do things. You know, like there might be 10,000 ways to accomplish something, and we chose one way. And it's not necessarily the right way, the wrong way, a good way, a bad way. It's just one way that we chose into. And the good news is that if we learned one way, we can learn a different way. So 
think about it like this. Doing things immediately is a habit, and so is procrastinating. Doing things your way is a habit, as is being flexible and being open to new ideas. Arriving late is a habit, as is being on time. Paying bills is a habit, as is paying late fees. Being shy is a habit, as is being outgoing and being bold. Networking is a habit, and so is sitting on your couch. Being reactive and defensive is a habit, and so is listening. And these habits, depending on which habit you choose, produce very different results. Now, certain unconscious habits are necessary. Otherwise, it would take us forever to get anything accomplished. At one point in time, you were conscious about tying your shoes. And now it's a habit that you've handed off to your subconscious mind. The same goes for driving. At one point, you were conscious about every point of driving, accelerating, shifting gears, slowing down. You even used a turn signal. And then at some point, you said, I don't have time to be conscious about driving while driving. I have to eat. I have to change the music. I have to talk on the phone. And that's when you handed driving off to your subconscious, just like so many other things that we do. We've handed off thousands of things to our subconscious that show up in the form of habits. And maybe it's time to, you know, start getting conscious about those things because they are affecting our self-esteem and therefore certainly affecting our results. And so these habits, what's happening is it's happening in your brain through neural pathways, pathways. So in your earliest years, all those pathways were equal. And then at some point, you chose one over another. And then you chose that one over and over and over and over and over and over again till you created a really good habit. So let's look at like doing things immediately or procrastinating and putting them off to tomorrow. Okay, so you either have a habit of doing things immediately or procrastination. So at one point in time, you picked one over the other. And then you made that neural pathway become bigger and stronger by doing it over and over and over and over. So now doing things immediately or procrastinating, depending on your choice, has become a habit. It's become your go-to guy. So like with enough repetition, all the little things you do create a pathway in your brain that becomes deeper and stronger, and eventually the repeated behaviors and attitudes become habitual. So it wasn't just one moment in time, one thought or one action that formed that pathway. It was the result of days and weeks and months, years of repetition, years of repetitive thoughts and behaviors that allowed the positive or negative neural road to become established. I mean, in fact, the studies show that 50% of our neural pathways are set by the age of four, 80% by the age of nine. 95% by the age of 18. So based on these habits, your reactions become pretty predictable. When life happens or a situation presents itself or when one of our buttons gets pushed, we go on automatic pilot. Why? Because there's always a clear choice. It's the neural pathway with the big billboards and the neon signs saying, pick me, pick me. You've always picked me. I'm what you know. I'm your go-to guy. You know, it's like I'm the four-lane superhighway compared to if you chose those other roads over there, you got bumpy dirt roads. So choose the four-way and superhighway because that's what you always choose and it's safe and it's comfortable and it's easy. Now, the great news is that different neural pathways can be strengthened and bulked up, highlighted, however you want to view it. New roads can be formed. You know, some of the bumpy dirt roads, if you do them long enough, they can turn into, you can actually pave them. You can turn them into two-lane roads. You know, paved roads can turn into highways. At the other time, some of your four-lane superhighways that aren't working for you right now, they could 
you could like put a detour sign, you know, or you could turn them back into dirt roads. They don't have to be a four lane super highway any longer. And so this is not, there's the neural pathways we're talking about. They're not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just the real question is how are they working for you? So like if you have a go-to guy, you know, neural pathway, how is that working for you? Because remember, you, you, you know, there's like a thousand, and that's a small number, different examples, a thousand different go-to guys or neon billboard signs, depending on the situation. So what if you got more committed to a way that works versus your way or the way that you know or the way that you learned? Because it is very possible to simply, to not simply, however, to create a new habit. As human beings, we can get used to anything. So how do you create new habits? The same way you created the old ones, through the repetition of the small stuff, the daily stuff that we're talking about. So with a focus on the small things, you can create new habits made of different actions and behaviors and create higher self-esteem and clearly higher results. So back to looking at some of the small stuff that you might want to create different habits on. I want you to think about if you watched a videotape of you for the last seven days, 24 hours a day, at the end of viewing this videotape, would you date yourself? Would you hire yourself? And I want you to say, so what's on this video is all the stuff that nobody knows about. So at the beginning, I talked about that your vote is the only one that matters. Like, this is really important. And this is the biggest reason why your vote is the only one that matters. Nobody, nobody else knows all of the stuff that was on the video. You're the only one that knows what's on the video. So a couple examples. You're, nobody knows whether you pay your bills on time or you pay late fees. Nobody knows whether you floss your teeth or you make your bed in the morning. Nobody knows if your insurance is up to date. Nobody knows how much in general you tip the, the waiter or the waitress. Nobody knows whether you watch zero hours of TV every night or four hours or six hours. Nobody has any idea if you walked into a clean bathroom this morning or a dirty bathroom. Nobody knows whether you have a plan for a retirement, whether you eat fast food or you eat organic. Nobody knows whether you read that book to your your daughter last night or you made it to your son's baseball game. Nobody knows if you return borrowed items. You are the only one that knows all of this stuff. So even if, you know, everyone thought I was so great and said, Renee, you are so great, you are so great, right? I, in my brain, I go, well, if you knew this, 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 which is why my vote is the only one that matters. Like I have to make my relationship with my self-esteem, how I view myself, the number one priority, because again, I'm going to take me and my self-esteem everywhere I go for the rest of my life. Like I view it as important. Like, <clears throat> you know, I sometimes visualize it's me and my self-esteem running down the beach. You know, that's the type of relationship I want to have with myself where I would rather be with me than any other person in the world. Now, yes, I have, you know, visions of me and my husband running down the beach, yet my relationship with my self-esteem is more important than my relationship with my husband because my relationship with my self-esteem is the number one driver of the relationship that I, not, that I then establish with my husband. And I kind of view it as like it's me and my self-esteem for the rest of my life. That is guaranteed. And then my husband gets to spend a couple hours, hours my lucky husband gets to spend a couple hours a day 
with me and my self-esteem. Lucky him. Okay, so I want to I want to share with you, in my opinion, a really cool example of the small things adding up to a big result, and that is in the form of your credit score. So your credit score is a direct result of your self-esteem, and your credit score, similar to your self-esteem, has been created moment by moment for the past seven to maybe 20, maybe longer years because, you know, length of history of some of your credit goes into your credit score. So it's a summary of 10,000 or more financial behaviors and actions that come into one number. You know, maybe the number is 560, 610, 750. And if you want to see the results of your financial thinking, behaviors, and actions, the two best places to look are your credit score and your net worth. And your credit score tells creditors whether you're a good bet or not. The higher your score, the better bet you are, the more likely you are to pay your, pay your debts. If you have a score of five to 600, it means that one out of eight people will default on their debts. If you have a score above 800, it means one out of 1,292 people will default on their debts. The best indicator of the next 10 years is the last 10 years. And it's the same thing with your reputation. Your reputation is a direct result of your self-esteem. Your current reputation has been created moment by moment over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And you have a reputation score just like you have a credit score, only it's invisible. It doesn't show up in a black and white number. You know, I like to view it as, as you have your financial credit score and your reputation score is kind of like your personal credit score. 10,000 pieces of information regarding your past actions and behaviors come together to form one invisible number. And your reputation score affects even more areas of your life than your credit score. So let's look at what, what could be behind that number. Maybe it's how many times that you were, you were on time or late or how many times you did what you said you were going to do or didn't, how many times you were helpful, how many times you took a stand, how many times you apologized or didn't, how many times you were willing to compromise. You have a reputation with your spouse, with your kids, with your employees, with your boss, with your coworkers, with your friends. You have a reputation with everyone you know. And the truth is every single one of them could give you a number between zero and 100 right now of how you have showed up since the beginning of your relationship. And they could give you that number in about three seconds. It wouldn't take a while for them to think. Like they, even if your relationship is 10 years, they could sum up your relationship of 10 years in three seconds by giving you a number between zero and 100 and be pretty darn accurate. And so I want you to think about that. Like the people in your life, what number would they give you? Would it be 61? Is it in the 90s? And most importantly, you have a reputation with yourself. You could give yourself an accurate reputation number right now between zero and 100 because you know, you know all of the stuff that would be on that videotape that nobody else knows about. And the truth is everybody else is picking it up too because who you are speaks so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. So people get what you're about through your actions and your behavior. Every day, people are deciding what kind of bet you are. People are betting on you every day, just like the creditors, your kids, your employees, your business partners. The question is, how are they betting? Are they betting that once again, you won't be home for dinner as promised? 
Are they betting that you'll meet the deadline because that's what you always do? Are they betting that you'll be dependable, flaky, positive, negative? And the great news is if you don't like, if you don't like your current reputation, you have 100% control to change it starting today. And your reputation is a huge contributor to your self-esteem, just like financial results, just like health results, just like relationship results. And so one of the things I want you to do is pick five people. I want you to think about five people that you would like to improve your reputation with. And what are some things that you can do? What are some commitments that you can make regarding that relationship in order to improve that reputation? Now, one of my favorite quotes from my husband is, if you walk 12 miles into the jungle, you have to walk 12 miles out of the jungle. And so it's not going to happen overnight. You know, if you spent the last five years creating a reputation somewhere around a number of 50, you know, you're going to have to spend some, and you want to get that reputation up in the 80s, you're going to have to spend some time and you're going to have to be consistent about your actions and behaviors, yet you can absolutely change that reputation. And what I have found through personal growth is even if it took you 12 miles to walk into the jungle, sometimes you can walk out of the jungle in four years. That's, the, that's also the value of personal growth. It speeds up all things. When you become aware of your thinking, your behaviors, and your actions, then you're able to make different choices. So I want to enroll you to get very selfish about your self-esteem. Like, I want your self-esteem to be the number one priority in your life. Like, the reason why you do the majority of the things that you do is simply because they increase your self-esteem. The reason why you don't do the majority of the things you don't do is simply because you've identified that those things would decrease your self-esteem. And so there, you can create an active plan, a strategic plan of ways to increase your self-esteem. And one of the, one of the ways, biggest ways that I increase my self-esteem is by taking advantage of taking the high road. So whenever possible, I take the high road, meaning being the bigger person. When it would be much easier to be smaller, to be free, to gossip, to do whatever, to be the bigger person and to take the high road. There's nothing, you know, when I take the high road and then I go look in the mirror and what's looking back at me is a woman that took the high road, there is nothing better than that. And so I want to encourage you to take the high road. Why? Because it will increase your self-esteem. Not for any reason for the other person and the benefit that they get. That's simply a bonus, that you take advantage of the opportunity to take the high road because it is a self-esteem booster like you would not believe. The other thing that I encourage you to do is to apologize first. You know, to be, again, that take, that's another way to be the bigger person. So instead of being the second person to apologize, apologize first. Why? Because it will increase your self-esteem. And to forgive. Forgive for you to increase your self-esteem. You don't forgive for the other person. You know, the other person might get a benefit out of the forgiveness. Yet again, that's the bonus. That is not the purpose of it. The whole purpose of forgiveness is so that you can move forward in the future whole 100%. If there's people in the past that you haven't forgiven, you're not able to take 100% of you to the future. And there's no way to have high self-esteem when part of you is still back in the past. 
And so, and forgiving doesn't mean condoning the behavior. And it certainly doesn't mean necessarily having a relationship with that person. However, it means letting go of your perception of what happened and moving fully forward into the future. And so all of these things are so that you can give yourself somebody to like. We talked earlier about it's pretty clear that you're going to be judging you for the rest of your life. So what if you give yourself somebody to be proud of? What if you give yourself somebody to like? What if you give yourself somebody to love? Like what if you were your favorite person in the world? And so there's things that you can do to become your biggest fan because there's things that you're actively doing today if that are causing you to not be your biggest fan. And at the end of the day, this is really about how you look at yourself in the mirror. And whether you're even looking, whether you're willing to look at yourself in the mirror. Yet what if you were willing to look and what, what was looking back at you was, wow, I am extraordinary. Wow, I am amazing. Wow, I am pretty cool. Like if it's me with me for the rest of my life, this is a pretty good deal. And so I want to end this portion with a poem. It's called The Man in the Glass. When you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, just go to a mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict count most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. Some people may think you're a straight shooting chum and call you a wonderful guy. The man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear up to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartaches and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. So, Pat, I think I am ready to take some questions. Wonderful. So first off, we have a question from ML, who wants to know, how do you get your mojo back after setbacks? Well, how do you get your mojo back after setbacks? So clearly, I've talked about that I am a graduate of all of the classes of PSI seminars. So one of the things, before I worked for, say, seminars, I made a commitment to myself that I would staff the basic seminar quarterly. I would notice that it would take about three months for me to get off my game and lose some of my mojo. And so when I made the commitment to come back and staff the basic seminar quarterly, uh, it kept me on my game and it kept my mojo going. The other thing that I recommend is that you set risky goals. Like there's nothing like goals that make you... Uh, scared um, in order to get your mojo going. And if you're going to set the risky goal, make sure that you accomplish it, of course. Next question. Next up, we have CM. How do I keep up my confidence when family reminds me of my failures? Family is difficult sometimes. You know, I remember when I first started personal growth, my family all lives in Maryland, and I would come home And as a result of this personal growth, I was a different person. And they didn't necessarily like the different person because, you know, we we kind of like people to stay the same where they're predictable and where they're 
controllable. And so when I showed up, you know, passionate and excited and, and talking about seminars and going after goals, it was different for my family. And yet I kept keeping on, you know, doing the work and investing in myself and setting goals and producing results and staying consistent. And eventually, you know, my family got used to kind of me doing things differently and they realized that I wasn't going back to the old ineffective Renee. And there's nothing like, you know, showing your family successes to cause them to stop talking about failures. So how can you you know, achieve success after success and show them that so that those are predominant versus the failures being predominant. Next question. Next we have LM. I am generally a confident person. What is the best tool to use when fear of failure is present? When fear of fear of failure is present, I, <laughs> I tend to use logic with my fear of failure program or belief or thinking. And so meaning that when my fear of failure says, well, you might fail, what's going to happen? And da, 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 then like I've created a, a in my brain list of my successes, my greatness and my accomplishments. And, and it's really a list of evidence. So when that voice comes up and says, who do you think you are? You can't do that. That I can come back with, seriously, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, 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 and this. So I'm pretty sure that what's in front of me right now is not bigger than me. So again, as you gain more and more and more successes, that pile of evidence gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then pretty soon, your greatness is irrefutable. Next question. Next, KK asks, what does confidence mean to success? What, uh, co- what does confidence mean to everything? Confidence is, it's a dir- there's a direct correlation, meaning that there's a direct correlation between confidence and self-esteem, right? The higher self-esteem you have, more confidence that you're going to have. The higher your self-esteem, the more income you're going to have. The higher your self-esteem, the better results you're going to have with your physical body. So there is direct correlation between self-esteem and confidence to success. Next question. Next up from AL, what can I do to work on overcoming my automatic self-doubt whenever people disagree with me? Uh, Focus on your automatic self. Well, if you focus... If you focus on increasing your self-esteem, that's going to take care of itself. Because one of the things that increases, one of the things that happens as you increase your self-esteem is that you care less about other people's opinions. And as you have more confidence about your opinions, clearly you care less about what other people think. So I would recommend creating a very brilliant plan to to 100% focus on your self-esteem And as a result, self-doubt will get taken care of. Next question. CN wants to know what to do when everyone is against your dreams or your challenges overwhelm you so you feel frozen and don't move forward. You do whatever it takes to move. So if you feel frozen then you figure out how to move. Even if it's in an area in a completely different area. So if things are not going well in your relationship, 
then go take movement in your financial world or in your physical world and get some results there. So move in a different area. You know, it's it's funny. As a general rule, I recommend going skydiving. If you're frozen, if you feel like not moving, I mean, it's what, think about how you feel after you finish skydiving. I mean, there's every cell in your body is alive. And maybe it's not skydiving, but maybe it's another activity where every cell in your body becomes alive. And so I guess it's about doing something that you are scared to do because in the, um, you know, when you do something you're scared to do and you realize that you can do it, that it wasn't bigger than you, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of movement in that. So it's hard to stay paralyzed, you know, when you've done something unreasonable. Next question. MM asks, how do I believe in myself? What thoughts do I need to change and how do I do that? The simplest answer I have is take every class that PSI seminars offers. You know, I can, I look at my path and and the brilliant decision that I made to go to the basic seminar and then take every class um, as a result of that. And as I mentioned, you know, when I, 27 years old, my self-esteem was pretty low. And yet how my belief in myself now, you know, through the experiences with Sci Seminars, through the goals that I set, through the results that I've achieved, you know, all of that is possible. Next question. VT wants to know how to have discipline and not procrastinate. Well, if you look at both of those are habits. So having discipline is a habit procrastinating is a habit. And we talked about that you have the power to create new habits. Um, So if you are a procrastinator, that's simply, you know, you chose that, you chose that way, that neural pathway, you did it over and over and over again. Now that's the easy thing to do. That's your go-to guy. That's the, you know, four lane super highway with the neon signs that when a situation comes up, you go to procrastination. So in order to create a habit called being disciplined or to do things immediately, right, you're going to have to, so right now doing things immediately or being urgent is like that bumpy dirt road. And so when you go down it, of course, it's uncomfortable, it's bumpy, and it's much easier to go to the four-lane superhighway. Yet you have to be willing, and new habits, they, you know, we get used to anything. And they don't take forever to do. You know, the PLD program is 90 days, and it's 90 days for a reason. You can have some significant new programs, not new programs, new habits in place as a result of just playing that game and 90 days later. Now you have to, you know, remain active after that to keep that habit in place. Yet as human beings, I'm constantly amazed that we can get used to anything, and we can do it in a very short time period called 90 days. Next question. From DH, how do we limit our time with people that are not beneficial to our well-being and our goals? Well, you set boundaries. I mean, value you, yourself, your future enough to set the boundaries. You know, I'm very picky 
about who I spend time with. I'm very picky about who gets to be around this brain because anybody that's around it is influencing it. So set boundaries. Next question. This is our last question from A.H. How can I help my 11-year-old son to be and feel more confident in his day-to-day activities? Oh, I like that question. I love questions with supporting kids with confidence. And it's really the same as supporting adults. I mean, it's, it's about creating a really great plan. Instead of just leaving it up to, I really hope that it happens, be active and create a plan. So you can sit down with your 11-year-old and you can create a list of all of the things that he does, that when he does them, it increases his confidence. You know, maybe it's, you know, getting out there and doing sports. Maybe it's turning his homework in on time. Maybe it's, you know, going to birthday parties. And then you can also make a list of all of the things that are confidence decreasers, things that he does when he does them, it decreases his self-confidence. And then with the, with the list that increases his self-confidence, you actively get it in his schedule. You know, you don't just wait for it to happen. If there's, some, if there's an activity that he likes to do that builds his confidence, you know, see if you can do it on a daily basis or at least every weekend. And the activities, you know, the things that happen that decrease his self-confidence, how can you minimize those or even get rid of them altogether? Great. Well, that was all the time we have for questions. However, we do have a few minutes uh, for you to wrap up the call and give us a few takeaways from your teaching. Oh, I would love to do that because I've come up with... Uh, four or five different ways to support you in increasing your self-esteem. So kind of how-tos so that you don't leave this call going, that was great, and what do I do with all of this information? So the first thing that you can start doing is to actively ask yourself the question, if the consequences of your actions will decrease or increase your self-esteem. So as you're about to do something, that you check in and go, okay, if I go do X, Will it increase my self-esteem or will it decrease my self-esteem? And that you use that to, to be the barometer of what you do and what you don't do. Because hopefully if you check in and the answer is if I go do X, that will decrease my self-esteem, hopefully you won't go do X because hopefully you're enrolled into the value of increasing your self-esteem. So number two, you can live from the question, if you videoed yourself 24 hours a day, would you date yourself? Would you hire yourself? So if your answer was no, you wouldn't date yourself, you wouldn't hire yourself. So what it, how about you become dateable and hireable? Like you make a list of, again, the things that you would need to start doing to be dateable and hireable, and you make a list of the things that you need to stop doing in order to be dateable and, and hireable. And if there are things that are on that video that you would not want anybody to see, just a thought, you might consider not doing those items anymore. I mean, what if you lived your life in a way that you are okay for it to be broadcast 24 hours a day to the entire world because you keep your agreements, because you have your integrity, and because you're doing daily actions and behaviors that support your vision? Number three, I recommend that you create a brilliant strategic plan to increase your self-esteem. 
like like I was saying for the 11 year old, that you create the list of here's all the things that I can do to increase my self-esteem, and then you actively get them on the schedule. So let's say you decide, you know, I really like myself. I really like the way I feel. I really like the way I look in the mirror when I do volunteer work, when I do community service. And so therefore, then you look at your schedule and you go, okay, I can commit to doing 10 hours of volunteer work per per month. So then you find the location, you find your cause, and then you get those 10 hours a month scheduled. You don't just wait around and go, I hope there's an opportunity that somebody invites me to do some community service work. Like, you know it's going to increase your self-esteem, so you make sure that you do it. And then also you make a list of all of the small stuff that decreases your self-esteem, and then you actively create a plan to stop doing it, right? So if smoking that cigarette is going to decrease your self-esteem, right, how do you not do it? If eating that cupcake is going to decrease your self-esteem, then that, then that needs to stop as well. So I want you to think about, you know, one of the ways that you can make this list of the things that decrease your self-esteem is what are the things that you get on yourself about that you that you're like when that self-talk comes up, when that voice and and starts picking on you and says, you know, for me it's being out of integrity with the dentist. Like if I am late in going to the dentist, then that voice pops up and it's like you haven't gone to the dentist. Why haven't you gone to the dentist? You could have gone today. You could have gone last week. What's going to happen with your teeth? on and on and on. And it's a daily chipping of my self-esteem. And I get an integrity with the dentist. Now, when I walk out of the dentist's office, it's like a whole new world. I'm a whole new woman. I'm like, touch me. I'm awesome. All because I am now in integrity with the dentist. So all of us, you know, we have different things that we get on ourselves for. However, imagine, have you ever experienced like something is broken in your house. Oh, I have the perfect example. It happened to me today. So I somewhere at some event, I won a clock radio, alarm clock radio. And I have this thing plugged in. It doesn't even have the accurate time on it. I have no idea why I even have it plugged in. And so every day, the alarm, somehow the alarm got set. And every day this alarm goes off. And at some point, I have to walk into the bedroom and turn off the alarm. This is daily. And this has been going on for about three months now. I finally unplugged it today. I was thinking about this call, and I was thinking about the daily things. And every time I walk into the room to turn off that alarm, I'm like, when are you going to turn that alarm? Maybe you could figure out how the alarm clock works so you could turn off the alarm. And every day it's a little bit of nitpicking, a little bit of chipping on my self-esteem. And so thank you so much for this call today because I just handled something that is going to stop chipping at my self-esteem. So make a plan. Do not leave it up to Make a plan to actively increase your self-esteem and stop doing the things that decrease your self-esteem. Number four is to create new small stuff habits. So if the if the building blocks of our self-esteem are the small stuff, then what if you could make <clears throat> new small stuff habits? So I recommend you start with five. Make them a habit, then pick five more. So I'm talking about things like maybe you make a habit drinking a certain amount of water per day or you make a habit of keeping your car clean or you make a habit of making a gratitude list every day or complimenting five people per day or meeting a stranger every day or a habit of being on time or sending thank you cards or reading your child a book daily like if you can commit to doing something daily you can make it a habit a lot faster 
when you're willing to do something daily there and and time goes by there becomes a lot of power with that i mean think about if you 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 don't really work out yet you start working out consistently 3 days a week at the end of 30 days you are pretty darn excited you know about what you've accomplished yet when you have the distance of 10 years behind you of working out consistently 3 times a week now you have an I am statement behind it that says, I am a person that works out. I am a person that values my body. And so these, this small stuff, you know, the value of creating these habits through the small stuff, and it's so doable. You know, now it takes, you know, some, some daily discipline. Yet these are, you know, oftentimes it's things that are easy to do and easy not to do. And if it's just as easy to do them as to not do them, Right. Then my my encouragement to you is is to be a proponent of your self esteem. Make your self esteem the number one priority. Give yourself somebody to like. Give yourself somebody to root for. Become your biggest fan. Give yourself somebody that when you look in the mirror, that there are eyes of integrity. That there are eyes of confidence. That there are eyes of you make a difference looking back at you from the mirror. So, Kat, I want to thank you. I really want to thank you for this opportunity of being part of the teleseminar and for giving me the opportunity to talk about my favorite subject called self-esteem. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was an awesome call, and hopefully you'll uh, do one again for us soon. I would love to. And uh, thank you to everyone listening in. We hope that you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. You definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It's scheduled for Tuesday, May 12th, and the topic is personal power. You can register now at psiteleseminars.com, and remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's psiteleseminars.com. As many of you know, we post live updates during the call on our Facebook page, and we love having your input. Go to facebook.com forward slash PSI seminars and share your thoughts. What did you get out of the call and how are you going to implement this in your life? Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI basic seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our courses as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. Thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night.